Matt, uh, I was musing a little bit, actually. I mean, you're a tall guy, and I don't know why, but somehow the, 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 the seven dwarfs popped up in my mind. And when I saw you at Thruxton, you were happy, happy, and there was obviously a great weekend for, for you at Thruxton. Dan obviously won a race, and everything went really well. Then I looked at the results from the last outing, which obviously was um, Knockhill. You hadn't fit any of the top ten places, which I found most un unexpected. And Dan obviously was doing well. He's obviously now at one point off second place in the championship. But I thought maybe possibly you were a bit grumpier in maybe in Knockhill rather than you were at Thruxton. Um, I probably have my moment, <laughs> moments. Um, but now I'm, you know, my glass is still half full. It's just, it's one of those things, Patrick. It's sometimes it goes your way and sometimes it doesn't. It's, um, you know, there was a, a tenth of a second splitting me and Dan in qualifying. Yeah. Then we both threw the dice and we were the only only two cars in the top ten to go to plumb for the hard tyre in the first race yeah. uh, to get it out of the way and um, to set ourselves up for the rest of the weekend. And he manages to survive the first race. I got wiped out from behind. Um, so you're on the back of the grid and working away forward from there. So it's, I don't feel I've done anything wrong in particular. It's just rotten. <laughs> it's no, just a bit of, it turns my weekend into a bit of a car crash, but that's, unfortunately, that's British touring cars at the moment. Well, it is. And I mean, the thing is that you've, you've got yourself involved in situations like that in the last couple of meetings or so. Um, and, you know, you've made it very clear that, you know, in some respects, the driver standards, obviously, in some areas on the on the grid and also in the races have to be improved just to, uh, you know, bear in mind you have other drivers in other cars around you sort of type thing. Yeah. Yeah, it is what it is, Patrick. But then, you know, Flash showed me, sent me some in-car footage from his last world touring car race in, at Ningbo in China, and it was chaos. It made British touring cars look positively <laughs> well behaved so and you know they, everyone goes oh the racing in britain it's pretty brutal it's, it's not pretty and mm. um and it can be but you know there's other people it's, it's kicking off everywhere it's just i think it's a competitive series uh Absolutely. the same as the world is now so you've just got to try and get through it but in some but respects with world touring car with tcr i mean you don't expect that situation purely and simply because you don't have this sort of three race situation where at least you have got an opportunity between each of the races to almost well repair a car if it if it is badly damaged and needs to be repaired before the next race yeah yeah i mean world touring cars you are a bit set once the grids are done they're done and that's you know you even if you have a great race you still reset back uh, to the back, which is unfortunate, but I don't agree with theirs. I think the British British system is better, but um, I don't make the rules. I, I advise on them. <laughs> I try to occasionally <laughs> give my pennies worth um, in a positive way. Um, but it's, it's what we got, and I think the you know the the weight system, the handicapping system in Britain is all all makes for great racing. I mean, when you look at touring cars going back 10 years, 15 years, or whatever. I mean, it was always very competitive in those days. I mean, it, but obviously the format was somewhat different to what we have at this present day. It was, Patrick, but it wasn't. You know, you go, people look back on the 90s and the super touring era with sort of rose-tinted glasses. But, you know, in 96, uh, there was only ever going to be a Renault win. Hmm. You know, in, 
or, or, or Audi when it was. Or, you know, in 97, it was only going to be a Renault. In 98, it was only going to ever be a Volvo. In 99, it was only going to be a Nissan. So if you're in one of those two cars, you've got a shot at the title. Yeah, yeah. That's not the case anymore. It's, it's a completely different animal now. Um, you know, and you go back further than that to the class system, it's even more so when it was classes A, B, C, and D. Now it's, crikey, they'll, they'll have your eyes out for last place. Whatever you think about the Toyota Corolla championships that uh, Chris Hodges won back-to-back against the might of, obviously, Andy Rouse and the, and the Fords that he was racing. But, yes, I mean, I think... That, no, that... no I'll, I'll just correct you there, Patrick, because you say the likes of Chris Hodges, but he was in Class C when there was no one else in Class C. Yeah. So he just went around in a good car and picked up the points, and, and Rouse was battling Class A in the Sierra Cosa. So he wasn't battling Rouse. He was just going around. So it's almost... It's without, not wanting to diss Chris because he's a great driver and a legend, yeah. but it's just you rock up and you you pick up the trophy pretty much in those days, mm. if you've got a good car and you know in, in the right class. Well, I stand corrected because I say that that is something possibly I overlooked. In fact, but you know, I mean, obviously the class system moved on, and then of course '96 was the launch of Super 2000 or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, also in, in amongst all that, of course, don't forget we had Vauxhall, of course, very strong as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, Clennon's first championship in 98, that was in the class system. But then, you know, he was very strong in 95, wasn't it? Mm. That, was, uh, that was a good car, the, the old Cavalier, uh, with Jimmy T. So, yeah, that was his year. And you raced in Vauxhall as well, of course, didn't you, for a while? I did in the Vectra um, in 2000. And, well, I did the, with the Astra in 2002, yeah. and then the Vectra in 8 and 9, so... I've, had, I've done my time there as well. Fantastic. No, I mean, it's, it's been a, a good run. Just thinking back, just talking about you and your, your height, you're tall, you have a very straight back. The one thing I've always noticed about Dad, Steve, is the fact that, you know, he's in his 70s now, but he's got an incredibly straight back for a man of his height. And the boys obviously are tall as well, but it's important to, to stand full high rather more than sort of souping, which a lot of taller people tend to do often, don't they? Yeah, I, I, I try and correct other people who are, are quite um, tall in their stature. If they're rolling the shoulders over, I was always taught it makes you look. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a great believer of that. You've got to, you've got to embrace your height yeah, sure. uh, and be proud of it. Absolutely. I mean, occasionally maybe your, your, your shoulders drop a little bit after you've had a, a not such a good weekend racing. But uh, either <laughs> way, I mean, it's, it's good to see you there and obviously being part of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, still there. I'm one of the older ones now. There's a few grey hairs at the top end, but um, yeah, it's still the fire still burns burns brightly inside me. I'm probably a little bit calmer than I was a while back. You know, I can I'll actually talk to Jason on a civil level these days, which is good. Sure. Yeah. Are you going to be featured in Jason's book when it's published? I am apparently. Yeah, I spoke Are to him the other day, and he goes, "You, <laughs> but he's, he, he's promised me he hasn't thrown me under the bus." He said he, the only one he'd throw under the bus is Ivan Muller. <laughs> he did that good and proper. <laughs> so I don't feel so bad now. So there's going to be a picture of you facing off a do, a, over at Rockingham that one oh, weekend. Oh, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Who he phoned me after um, uh, after his spat with um, with Ashley Sutton at um, Snetterton. And I, I saw his number come up on my phone on the following morning and uh, and I just started laughing and I said... <laughs> You know, when we used to fall out, I used to hate it because it was stressful. I know everyone loves it, but it was stressful times. Um, I said, but when you fall out with someone else, 
It's hilarious. I think of it as brilliant. He goes, oh, come on, let's fall out again. I said, no, I'm actually quite enjoying where I am at the minute. Fantastic stuff. What about your own book? Are you ever going to publish a, a, a tome about your history in motorsport? I've been asked a fair few times, but I always think, who'd be interested in all my rubbish? But then, you, you know, if you do, sometimes I've been asked to do talks, and you can chat for a fair while just on hilarious things where it's gone wrong or gone right or gone some other way. And, you know, it's... Um, so maybe, you never know. But I mean, you never know one day. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it's very much about team dynamics as well, of course, within your history as a, as a racing driver. But, I mean, going back to the early days and stuff like that. But, you know, as a, as a, a sort of the, the sort of young grandfather of the touring cars, let's say, I mean, you, you've got an awful lot to tell about over the years you've been involved. Yeah, I guess so. I've been in it a fair while, haven't I? So, um, yeah, I've got a... I've I've seen a few a few come across my bows and yeah found the gravel a few times. Well, I think you maybe publish a book when you're in your seventieth year and you're still racing in the touring cars. Whatever. Maybe yeah when they're wheeling me out of my wheelchair. <laughs> oh, come on, <laughs> don't go there. That sounds that sounds uncomfortable to me. I wouldn't have it any other way. No, they asked. They, we were asked um, um, a, um, where we think the sport's going. You know, where will it be in seventy years' time, motorsport. And I, I saw the, um, if you ever watch Star Wars and, you know, where they're running in those, those um, anti-gravity planes around points and everything, and I see that, I think that'd be amazing, wouldn't it? You know, so, so you think we might, have, go. we might have a, a, a hover touring car rather more than one on wheels? Well, you know, Patrick, um, at the wheel company, which I'm involved with, we've already got inquiries off more than one companies developing flying cars. Really? And they are already tr um, trying to m map out over California or Los Angeles a, um, a highway, air highway. And it's initially for drones, you know, delivery drones, etc., for like for Amazon and co. But then that will go into cars. So there will be a route you have to take and not take. Amazing. Planning for the right. future, mate. Well, I, mean, I just can't sort of imagine the M5 or the M40 or whatever being <laughs> being a hover hoverway rather more well, than a motorway. It can't it can't be a lot any worse than the, the the current M5, can it? So. Well, no. I suppose the only thing about that is, of course, if there is a hold up on the motorway, you can sort of lift up and go across the fields and go somewhere else rather and than do one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No problem at all. Now, Silverstone. I think the one thing that I think is very interesting. Uh, a great idea. They're going to reverse the garages. I don't know whether you think it's a good idea. Reverse the garages because when you think about it, Donington probably and Silverstone are the only circuits we go to that I can think of um, where you actually, uh, where the garages are, well, I mean brands, I suppose, where the garages are actually facing out onto the, or, f or facing into the pit, the paddock rather than into the pit lane. Yeah, I, I, you know, they should. I think they should do it in Formula One, but you can't even get near the garages in Formula One, can you? You can't even get near the buildings in Formula One. But um, uh, we'll see. It's uh, idea of Alan Gow. Uh, I think it's um, pretty revolutionary, you know, because it's about the fans. So we'll see. You know, we'll have to see what he uh, what it works out like. But I can't see really any major hindrance by doing it. No, but I mean the point is, you know, it happens at the other circuits. But I mean, you know, you've you've got you've got your your you've got your your truck, you've got the awning, you've got the cars in there. You bring them across the sort of the, the paddock area between the truck, well, well, whether you have your garages into the into the trucks and garages or whatever. 
I can't see it could be a problem. But the important thing from my perspective is the fact that it's still thinking about the fans and making it as enjoyable for the fans as possible. A lot more people would probably come to Silverstone, busy though it will always be, just purely simply to see what goes on in the garages. The Formula One garages tend to remain fairly secretive, purely and simply because they don't want people taking photographs of what they're doing in the garage sort of type thing. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Which I think is a great shame in many ways. But yeah. Silverstone, what about Silverstone? I mean, it's, again, you know, you've got, it's the, it's the penultimate round of the championship before you go to the Grand Prix circuit at Brands. Brands Grand Prix circuit, Silverstone circuit, very, very different. Uh, I'm hoping Silverstone should play to our strengths. You know, the car's running well at the moment. The engine works well. The engine works well at the top end, um, which a lot of it is there. So, you know, BMW have always been very, very strong at Knock Hill. So the fact that we, we pulled points on them there um, is quite, quite amazing, really. And, you know, if we can uh, sort of replicate that uh, and, you know, more than Silverstone and Brands should be stronger circuits for us. So it's definitely game on. Well, I mean, you're, you're leading the teams at the moment anyway, which, you know, that obviously you want to protect. I guess BMW and you are sort of fighting also for the manufacturer's side of things, but you're heading the teams regardless of anything else anyway. And as far as the whole team is concerned, that is as important in many ways as either Dan or you or whoever winning the title as well. But the driver's title still stands as being the ultimate aim anyway, isn't it? Yeah, the driver's title is the icing on the cake. You know, we all, you know, Honda like manufacturers and Halfords and the rest of the teams and all the rest of it. But I think the driver is is the prime focus. That's the one you remember. Mm. You really remember. So uh, I think we've got a shot at it. You know, he's he's got a pretty good wingman with me. Um, I know how to play the game. I've been there before. Mm. So um, you know, the BMW they've got two camps fighting internally. Yeah, sure. We haven't. We've got one focus and and one thing to to you know to to get done. And you've got three three championship titles to your name. And I'm sure that you'd like to win the fourth and catch up with Andy Rouse. But in many ways, again, Andy Rouse's four titles were again a different era. We're talking about a different whole different program as far as the touring cars are concerned now. But that record of Andy's has been standing for such a long time. It's due to be beaten or at least a match to be matched, doesn't it? Well, Colin's got a good good crack at it this year, hasn't he? So yeah, yeah. Um, you you don't know, Patrick. You've got to see how it unfolds. Absolutely. He's got two people to beat before he can do it. Absolutely, absolutely. Meantime, everything otherwise okay. Team are obviously all working together. What about uh, Will and Henry? I know that uh, Henry had a, a win in the uh, the uh, touring car trophy, which was a great result for him. Um, and obviously Will's doing stuff as well, but the boys are, are coming through the ranks, as it were, as far as their careers in motorsport are concerned. Yeah, trying to um, just keep it under control cost-wise, um, which is fairly can be fairly challenging, but they're good lads. They're really good lads, and um, I'd like to do more with them. I feel bad Will hasn't had much racing this year because we were going to do more Creventic, but then we had the car got um, shunted by someone else in... Um, in Dubai, mm. um, so we're trying to get um, that Audi, the Audi out for uh, Spa 500, which is like a Spa, Spa 24 hours just for TCR cars. So right. um, yeah, we'll see how we go with that. Well, it's, I mean, it was, it's good. For, I mean, it's all it's all good grounding, whatever way you look for both of them. I mean, the, the minis obviously were very much part of that, but they clearly are going to sort of 
get into the car and start racing more regularly. But you have to find the money to, for them to do that, obviously, don't you? Yeah. I mean, we've got some very honourable partners, you know, with UASA and co. So, and they've helped uh, immensely. So, um, because, the, you know, the, I think the motorsports really worked for them. You know, and their business is growing massively. They've got some fantastic products now out in the marketplace and the batteries. You know, they are the battery of choice, really, in the in the UK as well as, well as worldwide now. So, And Halfords have been there for a while as well, haven't they? Yeah, and they will be again next year, which is great. You know. Fantastic. Yeah. Talking about next year, are, are you already in the, in the process of putting everything together for 2020? And are, are you, in fact, going to move forward with the Civics that you've got at the moment? What's the situation? Uh, I think what we've got is continuity. You know, we've, um, you know, in the in the business plan, it was develop the car in year one, go for a podium in year two, and a title in year three with it. And at the moment, we're on target for that. So, um, just got to got to keep the wire tight. <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway, can I wish you all the very best at Silverstone? I hope it all goes well, and uh, and obviously well done to date and. Uh, and, and good luck to Dan, because, I mean, again, he's, uh, he's proved himself in the team this year, hasn't he? He has. He's very well liked in the team. You know, he, he comes up with the goods. He looks after the car. Uh, so we've just got to try and look after him in the, in the final two rounds. Mm, absolutely. And uh, I'm sure that uh, Dan must be pleased. I mean, team dynamics have been very much a part of his life uh, for a long, long time, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, everyone's still hungry. You know, everyone's... Um, got their eyes on the prize now. And Droitwich obviously is a, is, a, is, is, is a big improvement on where you were, although when you think about uh, obviously where you were when you were over in Perchel, I mean, you, the, the results and the success you had out of that smaller unit compared to what you've got at Droitwich, just quite incredible, really. Yeah. Yeah, we had some good times there. In fact, uh, our, our old unit was where Chris Hodgetts was run out, out of, the very same unit when he won the title all those years ago i can't even remember when it was it was that long ago <laughs> but you know it's those those units produce a few title winning cars and they're they're all they were ex-world war ii prefab units so it's um they've got some history there for sure fantastic stuff anyway all the very best for silverstone grand thank you patrick we need that